Good morning. Wearing my stewardship hat, I've asked to read the gospel lesson today. It's a parable from Luke 12, verses 15 to 21. You can find it in the uh, New Testament section of the uh, Pew Bible on page 74. This is one that haunts me. Perhaps you recall it. And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the part that haunts me. I wonder if my life is in the right balance. Could this be a good haunt? What does it say to us? Not that we should be irresponsible about our finances, but rather to be rich toward God. At some point, we know our life will be demanded of us. I want to pray about this. What about you? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth, your challenge, your love for us, your desire for us to live lives of meaning and purpose. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I found out Craig would be talking to you less than a week after Halloween about questions that haunt him, I knew there must be a joke in there. But I never came up with it. So don't spend the next 15 minutes waiting for it, and if you do know what the joke is, meet me back there afterwards and tell it to me. Instead of an opening joke, on this Sunday following Halloween, I give you an opening illustration that comes straight from an ancient, ancient graveyard. In the 1960s, an anthropologist 
exploring a cave in northern Iraq, came across the graves of several Neanderthal men, tombs believed to be nearly 50,000 years old and among the oldest human burial sites ever found. Near the remains were discovered pollen grains from grape hyacinth, hollyhocks, and thistles, silent testimony that flowers had once been placed next to the bodies. Thousands of miles away at Sungir, which is near Moscow, was found a cluster of Cro-Magnon graves, 30 millennia old, in which what lie what remains of what appears to be a family. Draped around the bones of the man are necklaces strung with hundreds of painstakingly carved ivory beads, and nearby are tools carved from mammoth bones. The woman's skull is placed on top of the man's grave, and next to the man and the woman are the remains of two children. They are buried head to head, and around them are scattered more than 10,000 beads of ivory, several reeds, rings, and bracelets, a collection of spears and daggers, the teeth of a fox. Theologian Tom Long says, human death has never been simply a fact. It has always been a mysterious ocean, summoning those left standing on the shore to stammer out convictions about life and to wonder what lies over the horizon. Humans have always stood in awe of death and what comes after it. And as far back as we have been able to go, we see people trying to figure out ways to recognize the passage from life to death to life eternal, to honor it, and to know what it means to have lived well. So if our wise friend Craig is haunted by Jesus' words in the Gospel of Luke, if it makes him stop and think when reading that this very night your life may be demanded of you, well, Craig is certainly not alone. Death is universally true and impossible to avoid. Death may come at any time. It is the great equalizer. It comes from places we expect, following the long, a long struggle with illness or from natural causes. And it comes from places we do not expect and should never accept, the realities of hunger and war. And as it did this past week in the horrifying shooting of a people at worship. Part of being human is the struggle to make sense of death, to know how to grieve, and to carry each other. Today is All Saints Sunday here at Knox Church, always recognized on the first Sunday in November. All Saints Sunday is a Christian tradition that goes back to the Middle Ages. It's sort of a community-wide funeral. Presbyterians believe that all of us who live and die in the faith are God's saints. So we remember all of the members of our church who have died in the year that is past, and all of those who have passed through life and remind us of God's love. 
Later in the service, we will remember them in prayer by name, and I invite you to remember loved ones you have lost. There's a wide range of experiences right in this room when it comes to funerals. Some of you may not have been into a funeral in a long time. The experience may sound sad or unpleasant but necessary, or maybe just unfamiliar. There are others in this room who attend funerals all the time. You are of an age when friends pass away regularly, sometimes one right after another, and the experience of attending funerals is far too familiar. You wish it was not such a big part of your life. I can only speak to my own experience of funerals. I attend many of them, and it may be a surprise for me to tell you that I like funerals. I don't enjoy them the same way I enjoy an ice cream cone or an afternoon at the beach. Without a doubt, I feel sadness for loved ones who are grieving. And I'm often part of funerals for people whom I will miss very much. And I can say without question that funerals are one of the richest aspects of my call to ministry. I am blessed by the conversations that are part of preparing a family for a funeral, conversations that are sacred and that are often difficult. I'm humbled to be brought into those conversations in ways that are quite intimate, even with people I do not know very well. And I'm blessed by the experience of the funeral service itself, the chance to hear people pray for and remember a person they have lost. In hearing those testimonies, I always leave the service again asking questions about my own life, my priorities how I am using the gifts God has given me. I wonder about balance. I am haunted. I believe this is good. The story from Luke we heard Craig read this morning might be described as a story about life and death. This story appears in the Gospel of Luke as part of a series of short stories where Jesus talks to people about what is most important to them. He talks to them about what they value. There's the story of Mary and Martha, the prodigal son, the rich man and Lazarus. Many of you may know these stories. There are several more. Most of these stories mention money or wealth at some point. The author, Luke, is convinced that it is most often our desire for wealth that takes our focus away from God. Money itself is not under attack in these stories. Throughout the book, it is clear that Luke understands money is important. People need it in order to get by. When people do not have enough of it, they suffer. The complaint, more precisely is that having money does not make us satisfied. Rather, having money tends to make us want more of it. 
And when we have too much money, money often goes from being an important thing to the main thing. And that's where so many of us get lost. So in the story that is before us, we meet a man who has worked hard and done well for himself. He has enough wealth. There is no indication that he has come by it unfairly or dishonestly. But when he realizes how much he has, his conclusion is not gratitude, but rather anxiety. He does not know where he will put it all. So instead of considering ways he might live more generously, he decides to get more storage. He is sure that this will give him peace of mind. He says so. And it is at that moment that God speaks up, You fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Here's what I struggle with when it comes to this story on this All Saints Day. On one hand, we have a very relevant message about the end of life. So frequently heard, it has become a cliché. You can't take it with you. On the other hand, it's a story about money, and the last thing any pastor wants to do is to talk about money at a funeral. Most of us don't even like talking about the fees. And yet, Jesus keeps taking these two ideas and putting them together. In this story, in the ones near it, and in others all over the Gospels. He does this because he knows that for many of us, the focus we have on our money and our stuff is what takes our focus away from God. And he knows that at the end of life, those misplaced priorities become our regrets. This is why I so valued what Craig had to say about his relationship with this Bible story we read today. Craig used two words that I thought were so valuable in thinking about this story. One word is balance. He said that he wonders if he has achieved the right balance in his own life. Balance between financial security and generosity. The Bible story is no doubt about balance, for at no point does Jesus indicate that there should be no barns at all. And no doubt most of us will continue to want some sense of financial security. And we will want to be able to pass on something to our loved ones. Balance. And the second word was haunted. Craig has shared with you that the story haunts him, that he has thought about it repeatedly over the course of a life. Those two words, balance and haunted, those were the words he wanted to tell you. And he didn't tell you a whole lot else. 
Sometimes the best teaching comes not from saying a lot, but from the things that we do not say. Good teaching asks good questions, rather than telling people what to think. Craig didn't tell you what you should think about this story. He just told you that he thinks about it, and has for a long time. Jesus does the same sort of thing in the story itself. Did you notice there's no direct instruction given, no prescription of what the man should do with his barns? Just a reminder of what we all know. You can't take it with you. And a question. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? Maybe these questions will haunt you. Sister Joan Chittister, who was here a few weeks ago as a visiting scholar, she writes about herself. The things that block growth in my own life require deep honesty from me. She says, the things that block growth in my own life require deep honesty from me. Which is to say, nobody else can really tell you to change the things that are keeping you from a free and authentic life. You have to want that freedom for yourself. And at the same time, she says, unbinding ourselves from the things that traps us takes support. Support from friends and from a faith tradition that asks us good questions. We need to be nudged. Sometimes we need to be smacked upside the head by a tradition that says, you fool, this very night your life may be demanded of you. I would add only this. In this thing called faith, it is not bad for a question to haunt you. It is not bad to struggle with questions of balance in your life. There is nothing wrong with looking at the things you have prepared in life and being haunted by the question, whose will they be? Do not despair at these questions and questions like them. They are the raw material by which God crafts meaningful lives. Amen.